Good morning, Generation Church. Or I guess I could say good afternoon. It's the afternoon now. So, so good to see you in church today. What a great way to start out the brand new year in God's house with God's people. And so I'm honored to be here today. Uh, For the last few years, I've been like spying on your church from the East Coast and just admiring what God is doing here and just so look up to and honor your, your pastors. And you know, the scripture talks about the Bible, or it talks about God gives pastors and leaders to the church as gifts to the church. And God just likes you guys a ton. Because he gave, he gave you guys great gifts in your leaders. So can we put our hands together in honor? Pastor Amy and Pastor Ryan. So grateful to God for them. And I'm just honored to be here today and uh, be a part of what God is doing. And so I want to welcome everybody tuning in online as well today. Thank you for being with us. And is anybody ready for God's word? I want you to go to Colossians chapter 1 and 1 John chapter 2. I want to read two different passages this morning, or this afternoon before we get in. Colossians 1, verse number 9, the Bible says this. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. How many people need some friends to just pray for us? Not stop praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So he's, he's telling them, hey, we're praying for you. Here's our prayer for you. And then he tells them why he's praying for them. He says, so that... You may live a life worthy of the Lord. Is anybody's goal this year to live a life worthy of the Lord? You may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Now, 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 5 says this. If anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. He says, hey, here's the test. Here's how you know if you're in Christ. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I want to talk for the moments that we have together around God's word today, around this idea, looking like Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word today and for the time that we share around it with your people. Lord, my prayer today is that you would do what I cannot do, and that is change our hearts and change our lives. Lord, may we leave today not having just attended a service or watched a live stream, but God, may we leave today having heard from heaven. So Spirit of God, speak to us. Our ears are open. Our hearts are open to receive from you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I'm not sure exactly what year or what time this became a thing. I don't know if it was social media that did it. I don't know if it was uh, the fact that all of our phones now have cameras on it, but it's the concept of a selfie. You know, where you take a picture of yourself with your phone, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, like, here I am with my bagel at Panera, because everybody needs to know that, right? Like, and, and it's, it's a selfie. So I'm not much of a selfie guy myself, no judgment on you if you are, but um, some, some selfies just, it's just funny to me. I have to laugh. And I'm not laughing with you, I'm laughing at you, for sure, (laughs) for sure. I'm going to pick on the fellas here for a second. One type of selfie in particular that just makes me laugh so much is a gym selfie. (laughs) All the ladies are like, amen, amen. Right? Like the guys are in the gym with all the weights around them and all the iron, all the heavy weights, and it's always in the mirror. It's like a gym selfie in the mirror. They're like trying to do this or whatever, you know. So this one day in particular, 
I was just looking through my news feed or my social media feed and a friend of mine posted a gym selfie and I was dying. It was, I, was, I was laughing out loud, it was hysterical. And this isn't like Christian gossip, okay? I called him, I talked to him about this first, okay? This isn't, I'm not talking about him uh, behind his back. So I called him and I, I was like, dude, this is, it was hilarious, it just got me, it just blessed me, it made my whole week, I was laughing so hard. And, and here's, here's why it was so funny. Because I was looking at the picture and looking at all the weights around him and I'm like, dude, I know you can't lift those. <laughs> I, I know you cannot live that and here's here's how I know I know you can't live that because you look like me <laughs> like the spaghetti noodle arms you know like you you're not lifting that and and so I I called him and gave him a hard time about it and why why it was so funny to me though was because here's what he was doing okay he was associating himself with heavy weights he was tying himself to strength and muscle and iron and all this kind of stuff. When nothing about him actually showed me that was actually taking place. He was associating with it, but I saw no fruit of it. So I'm, I, I'm, like, I'm like, dude, did you just go and like take that picture and leave? Like, what are you doing, right? <laughs> and and here's, here's what I'm convinced from the biblical narrative in the words of Jesus, I, I'm convinced that God is not looking for people to associate with him. God is not looking for people to just be around the things of God. I'm convinced that God is looking for people that actually show evidence that they've been with him. God is looking for people not just to be around the things of God or just even to casually attend a great spirit-filled Bible-teaching church like this one, but, but to be transformed to look like Christ. I, I don't just want to settle anymore with being around the things of God. I want to be transformed by God. I don't just want to settle with being around a great church. I want to give my life to a great church. I don't just want to be associated with the things of God in proximity to the things of God. I want God to transform me that I might bear much fruit. That I might look like Jesus. Because this is what the gospel demands. The gospel demands that it changes and affects every corner and crevice of our life. Because of what Jesus has done, the way I think should be different. Because of the cross and the empty tomb, the way that I parent my kids should be different. Because of the good news of the gospel, the way that I speak should be different. Because of the good news of the gospel, the way I go to work on a Monday, come on somebody, it should be different. Because the gospel transforms every space of our life that we might look like Jesus. James echoes this idea in James chapter 2 verse number 26 he says it like this as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without deeds is dead what, what James is saying is if if a faith is genuine it's going to produce something in your life that will work out it, it's going to produce a work in areas of your life faith without deeds is dead a true faith in Jesus a true heart transformed by the gospel is working itself out in every area of my life 
Back in 2015, there was a, a, a biking race that came to our home city. It was the World Championships of Biking, and they came to Richmond. It was hundreds of thousands of people from Europe, and they took over our city for like a month, and they just did bike races. And so it just piqued my interest. I, I, I went down there. I was watching some of these bike races, and so I was, just became interested in cycling. And so the next year, my parents gave me a bike for my birthday. So I started riding the bike around a little bit. I was like kind of a rookie cycler, just riding around a little bit. And I talked to my friend who's like a legit cycle guy. He, he's like, he knows what he's doing. He's done this before. And he's like, he's like, Nate, you need clip pedals. I'm like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. What are you talking about? He's like, you need clip pedals. He's like, when you're riding your bike right now, you just have your shoe on the pedal and you're just biking. He's like, you need clip pedals where there's special shoes and special pedals where your shoe connects to the pedal. So that way, the whole time you're biking, the whole rotation, you're pushing the bike forward. Every legit cycler has clipping pedals. You got to get some clipping pedals. Now, how many need some friends that don't just tell you about something good, but they give you something good? So I said, like, okay, man, come on, come on, like, show me, show me. So he, he gave me some of his clip-in pedals and some shoes. And so I remember the first time I was riding it, it just, like, I just felt legit. I don't know how else to tell you. I'm just riding, and I'm like, wow, these things are cool. So I'm, I'm riding with my clip-in pedals, and I come up to a stop sign. And I stop, and I forgot that I had clip-in pedals. And when I stopped and went to go get off my bike, that's when I remembered I had Clifton pedals. But baby, it was too late. I was going down. So boom, I just, right on the curb, boom. So, so I'm laying on the curb, like embarrassed. This is like, there's all kinds of stuff happening around too. People like walking their dogs, people like having coffee at a coffee shop, and there I am just like, hey, everybody. You know. So brush myself off, get up, get my feet out of the pedals and so I'm getting back on my bike and now it's time to ride again how you have to clip back in is while you're still you have to clip in one foot and again this is my first time doing this so it's it's like to an experienced cycler they just clip in but I'm like I'm like trying you got to get it just right it takes me like 20-30 seconds feels like an eternity sitting there on the curb trying to trying to get it clipped in so finally boom I get my right foot clipped in now you have to start riding with one foot clipped in to get some momentum until you clip your second foot in. Because if you just clip your second foot in while you're there, you'll just <laughs> fall over again. So got my one foot clipped in, and so I start to bike now with the one foot. So I've got enough speed, and I'm going to clip in my second foot. Now, it's hard enough for me to clip it in while I'm still. <laughs> but now that I'm moving, it just feels impossible. So I'm like riding now, trying to get this second foot clipped in. And I've gone one block, two block, three blocks. Like I'm riding the city now just like this. <laughs> so the same people that like saw me laying on the curb are like, what, what, you, what is this guy doing? Like, and so, so I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. And look, here's, here's what James is saying in James chapter two. He said, hey, our faith journey has two pedals. It's your faith and your life. It's your faith and your deeds. It's what you believe and it's what you live out so so it starts with faith we've got to have faith in the finished work of Jesus and in God's word and who God is and who he's called us to be and, and his word we have to have faith but if we only just have faith and never apply it to areas of our life we're just biking with one foot and it's going to be hard to go far and hard to go fast with one pedal 
For some of you, maybe you feel spiritually fatigued at the beginning of this new year. Could it be, it's not because you don't have faith, it's because you haven't allowed it to work itself out in areas of your life. But man, when you have faith in God, and faith in his word, and faith in who he is, and who he's called you to be, and you apply it to your life, now you can go farther faster. Now, now you can see what God has for you. Now you can take some ground. Now you can walk in the purposes of God. Why? Because it takes both. It's looking like Jesus. I've got three things that I want to encourage you in today around looking more like Jesus. Three things to help you this year look more like him. The first thing is this, obey. Forgive me today for my simplicity, but there is great power in obedience to God. There's great power in obeying. There's a story that I love in Matthew chapter number 17. It's the Mount of Transfiguration. And we're gonna look at these first few verses of the story here in a moment. But before we do, I want you to look through it with a certain lens. I want you to look through it and feel the story building. Feel, feel it getting more and more intense. Feel, feel it building up to a peak moment. Here, here's Matthew chapter 17, verse number one. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. So he has his 12 disciples, that's his crew, but inside of his crew he has his inner circle. So he has his three, they're, they're the tightest to him. So he says, hey, uh, Peter, James, John, just the three of you, we're going on a special journey. We're going up to a mountain. We're going on a special hiking trip, just the four of us. Verse number two, once they're up there, he was transfigured before them. This word is translated to mean to become more beautiful. Okay, so Jesus is now being transfigured on the private mountain hike with Peter, James, and John. And then he gives us some description as to what this looks like. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. And just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah. Okay, so private hiking trip with Jesus. Jesus is transfigured. But that's not enough. Now Moses is there. Like, like, Old Testament Moses, like part the Red Sea Moses. Moses is there with transfigured Jesus. And Elijah, Elijah's there, like Old Testament Elijah, like prophet of God Elijah, like call down fire from heaven, Elijah. Special hiking trip, just the inner circle, glowing Jesus, Moses and Elijah. And then Peter responds how most of us probably would. I love this. Look at verse 4. He said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Peter's like, Jesus, this is amazing. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. So Peter is just so excited. Peter's like, hey, this is great. I think we should stay here for a while. I'll contribute to the cause. I'll build three shelters, one for you, one for you, one for you, so we can stay here for a moment. Peter is so excited. This is such a moment. Peter's wanting to make it last. Peter's wanting to hang out for a moment. Peter's wanting to stay, and he's willing to work for it. While Peter is talking, the story continues to build. Look at verse number five. While he's still speaking, a bright cloud covers them. So here comes a cloud, and then a voice from the cloud. This is the voice of God says, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Peter freaks out at this. In the next few verses, Jesus tells Peter, 
hey, stand up, it's fine. When he stands up, the cloud is gone, the voice is gone, Jesus is no longer glowing, Moses is gone, Elijah's gone, like, it just, the whole story, just, boom. And then Jesus is like, all right, guys, let's go back down the mountain. If you're anything like me, you read that, and you're like, what was all that for? It's, it's like there's so much happening. There's so much building. And the peak of this scene, what it's all building up to is God saying, this is Jesus. Listen to him. Like he's saying, hey, hey guys, Jesus is going to tell you to do some things. Do it. He's going to tell you to go some places. Go. He's going to tell you to say some things. Say it. This is my son. This is Jesus. Listen to him. I think if we're not careful, we can overcomplicate what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. I think in the the shortest summary I can give you, what does it mean to, to look like Christ and follow Christ? It's to listen to God and do what he says. This is Jesus Listen to it. This is his word. Listen to it. There is so much power in you listening to God and doing what he says. Around our home, um, I'm not the most handy guy. That's why God has me working with my mind and with my mouth because I'm no good with my hands. Can't do much around the home, uh, not super handy. But there's some projects that my wife Anna has found that I can do and limit the damage control around the house. And so I, I do as much as I can. There's one, one particular task that she's given me, and it's dealing with the laundry. So she does most of that. I, I typically mess it up. But once a load is done drying, she'll have me take it out and fold it. I know it's impressive, don't I? Know. <laughs> so occasionally she'll say something like this she'll say hey I'm about to go run out I'm gonna run some errands um there's a load that's about to finish when it's done can you take it out and fold it sure got you girl go ahead yeah so she goes she runs her errands she comes back a few hours later and one of the first things she'll say when she gets back home is hey did you do the laundry right so I'll say listen girl (laughs) while you were gone you you wouldn't believe this but I, I pulled up some blogs, some articles, some, some videos, like tutorials even, about laundry. It's phenomenal. Like, you wouldn't believe the information that's out there about laundry. It's phenomenal. I learned so much about laundry and detergents and folds and, and, the, and all the kind of stuff. It was amazing. I learned so much about it. I learned these new folding patterns and stuff to avoid the wrinkles. So we, you know that sweater we had, honey, that's really difficult to, like, fold and stuff it in our drawer? I, I found a new way to fold the sweater so we can get it in. It's amazing. I learned so much while you were gone about about the laundry and you know what that's not it that's not all I I had some friends over I had some friends from church over there from my group and we we were talking about the laundry oh my gosh it was so good we we just we talked about some different folds we talked about the ways like Bob he was having a really hard time folding these t-shirts and we helped him out it was great we encouraged him and and how to do it It is it was amazing well it was just so how many know she's going to be like, awesome, great, oh, wow, cool, good for Bob, yeah, great, great. Did you do it? <laughs> and how many know, 
If my answer is no, then who cares about everything I just said? Like, it's one thing, all the wives are like, yeah, yeah, you tell them, you tell them. <laughs> hey, it's, it's one thing to know about it. It's one thing to discuss it. It's another thing to do it. And I think many of us, we, we, we know it, it could talk about it, but, but the power of God's word is not just in the knowing and we need to know it. It's not just in the discussing and we need to discuss it. But the power of God's word is, is released in our life when we obey it, when we do it, when we listen to God and do what he says. How do we look more like Christ this year? It's listen to God and do what he says. Do what he says. The second thing is this, train yourself, train yourself. Now, when I talk about training here, I'm not talking about training to be made right before God or training to earn God's love or training to earn forgiveness. How many are grateful that there's nothing we can do to earn the free gift of salvation that Jesus did the work for us? So, Jesus, we're made righteous before God, not because of us, but because of Jesus, because of the cross and the empty tomb and what Christ has done for us but but practically speaking in our lives we need to become more like Christ practically we need to train positionally we're made righteous but practically we still have work to do let's think about this idea I grew up playing sports and I played baseball growing up just long enough to know I didn't have a future in it come on somebody so I play baseball and I grew up in the batting cages in Little League and I had two brothers so we we're just always playing sports my dad pitching to us in the backyard so, oh, so I just grew up with the baseball swing I grew up doing this motion right here this grip and the bat and and this this motion and the follow-through that I just grew up for years doing this right here the baseball swing okay and two years ago I started playing golf that's when I met the Lord come on somebody so now that I started playing golf, I found myself positionally a golfer. Why? Well, because I have a golf club in my hands. And because I'm on the golf course. Because I have a golf glove and a nice golf shirt, right? So positionally, I'm sitting on the tee box, I'm sitting on the golf course. Positionally, I'm a golfer. But practically, still a baseball player because even though I'm out here and look like a golfer my muscle memory in my mind and what I do is still not golf yet it's baseball so so how do I get to practically being a golfer well I have to train there's some things in my mind and motions that I've got to work out and things I've got to work in so I'm positionally here, but for me to practically get there, I've got to train. I've got to work. And so it is in our walk with Jesus. You are positionally made right with God because of Jesus' righteousness and because of what he has done on the cross. But practically, we've got some work to do. So, so you just came to Christ, and that's amazing. You are forgiven. You're a child of God. You, you are a Christian, but you've had an unhealthy pattern of thinking for two decades that will not be solved in two minutes. So, so just because you came to Christ doesn't mean like that 
your pattern of thinking will change. What do you have to do? You've got to renew your mind and you've got to train yourself to become more like Christ. Your pattern of working with people, you've been quick-tempered and you've had an anger for the last nine years. Just because you came to Christ today doesn't mean in nine minutes that's gone. Man, I found this to be true in my life. I came to Christ and I was like, man, I'm still struggling practically with all these different things. How do we begin to look more like Christ in them? Here, Paul's answer to us in the scripture would be, you gotta train yourself. You gotta train yourself. Positionally, you're righteous, but practically we've got to work on looking more like Jesus. Paul uses this training language in 1 Corinthians chapter number nine. Here's what he says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? He's talking about our faith journey. He's comparing it to running a race. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that lasts forever. He's saying, hey, if you're a runner and you have a race to run, you don't just wake up and walk to the start line. You go into strict training. A runner trains for the race that they're in. They train for the goal that they have in the race. So he's, he's, he's saying, hey, you, you go into strict training. He says this again to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter number four. He says, train yourself to be godly. And then he compares it again with physical training. He says, physical training is of some value, so he commends physical training. He says, hey, it's good, it has value. But godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So both in 1 Corinthians and 1 Timothy, what Paul is doing is he's challenging the, the church to train themselves, to train themselves to be godly. And in both instances, he's comparing physical training to spiritual training. Like you physically train, train yourself spiritually to be godly. And I was thinking about this parallel and I thought to myself, if we train ourselves physically like we train spiritually, we would look crazy. <laughs> if we trained ourselves physically like many of us train spiritually, we'd look insane. So, so if, if I had the goal this year of getting stronger and I find a gym and I find a great trainer and he's gonna give me a program and I'm gonna get stronger this year. That's gonna have to involve me lifting weights. So it's the first week of the new year and tomorrow I'm getting started, I'm getting on my program and he's giving me my first day and the trainer's there with me and the first thing that I have to do is warm up is, is five curls. I've gotta curl a little bit, I've gotta get warmed up, I've gotta start getting stronger, okay? So I go tomorrow and I'm there, I'm gonna hit my goals this year, it's gonna be amazing, so, so here we go. Tomorrow, ready? One, two, three, and four, and five, all right, sweet, okay, so then I put the weights down and I start to look at my arms. And I start to get very frustrated because they're not any bigger. Like, what, what is going on? This isn't working. 
Like this trainer, this trainer's a total fraud. This trainer doesn't know. This gym, just false advertising like crazy. This, this workout program that you got, these weights, like, the, what, what are you talking like? I, I, I lifted the weights. I'm not any stronger. I don't feel any bigger. I'm not making any progress. What, I, actually, I quit. I quit. I don't trust this guy. It's not working. I listened to him. I did what he said, and it didn't work. I, I'm, there's no progress, so I'm done. How many know you'd be, you'd be crazy? Yet spiritually, this is exactly what we do. We say, all right, God, I'm gonna get into your word this week and I wanna hear what you have to say. And then, well, gosh, I, I tried to read the word this morning and I didn't really even understand it. Like, I just, I tried, it's done. I just can't even. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live for Christ this work at, uh, all week at work and I'm gonna have a great attitude with my coworkers and, and this whole week on my commute, I worshiped. I didn't listen to that music, I listened to worship and I was praying and I was praying and then I got to work and I had this bad attitude as ever. Like it didn't work, like I tried to pray, I tried to seek God and my week was worse, my coworkers were even worse and I, I'm trying, like man, we're, I'm trying to keep God in the middle of my marriage and me and my spouse, we prayed together this week for the first time, and we fought more than we've ever fought. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I tried. I tried to worship. I tried to pray. I tried to read the word. Like, I, I, I tried, and it doesn't work. Like, you would never do that at the gym. But yet, spiritually, spiritually, we do three curls, and we don't see progress, and we're like, oh, no, God's word isn't really that powerful. Prayer doesn't really, no, no. If, if I were to see progress physically, what would I have to do? Well, tomorrow, I'd have to go to the gym. And then I'd go home, and then t- Tuesday, what would I have to do Tuesday? Well, go back to the gym, and then I'd go home on Tuesday, and then what would I have to do on Wednesday? Well, I'd have to go back to the gym on, on Wednesday. And then, and then, all week, I had a really good week. I went to the gym really good this week. What, what would I have to do next week? I have to go back to, to the gym. And then, and, then, and then next week, and then I had a really good month. January was really good. I was really consistent. I've been training. What would I have to do in February? I go back to the gym. Train again. And, and the, the whole spring, it was really good. All through the spring, through Easter, all this kind of stuff. And what, what would I have to do this summer? Actually, go to go back to the gym, and try and and th- this whole year was amazing. It was really good. It's just really consistent. What would I have to do next year? Day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year. Out. Guess what would happen? I'd begin to get stronger. I might not feel it or. See it in my life next week. That's okay. Just keep training. Yes. Might not see a difference in my life. Next week. That's okay. Just keep training. Paul, Paul implores the church. He says, train yourself to be godly. It's, it's a commitment to spiritually training. And, and what would happen if you did that? You'd look back at the end of this year, and you wouldn't even know it, but you'd look back to where you are now and be like, hey, I'm a little bit stronger. I'm a, I look a little bit more like Christ. I'm a little bit closer to him than I was before. I, I love him a little bit more now than I did last year. If we commit to training ourselves to look like Christ. You've got to train yourself.
And the third thing is this, and I want this to encourage your heart today. Third thing is this, you've got a helper. You've got a helper. If you're anything like me, when you hear a message like this about looking more like Christ and obedience, as good as it all sounds and we desire for it to be, it's also a little bit discouraging because we're all so aware of our own shortcomings and flaws. Like I've found that the more I get to know myself, the more work I really find out I need. Anybody with me on that one? I read one theologian, he said it like this. He said, the more I know myself, the more I realize I'm the worst sinner I know. In fact, that actually sounds like the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy saying, I- I'm the chief of sinners. Because we're all so aware of the monster-sized gap between us and the practical righteousness God is calling us to. And that's a, that's a very healthy awareness, but it's also one that just feels kind of discouraging because you're like, man, I know there's, this feels like such a big mountain to climb. I just, I don't know if I've got enough training to get there. <laughs> the good news today is you've got a helper. You've got a helper. This bike race that I mentioned previously that came to Richmond several years ago, it was such a big deal for our city, I just went down there to watch it one day. And so that particular day, they were doing a 100-mile race. There was a 10-mile loop around the city, and they biked it 10 times. So I'm at the start and finish line where all, like, the cameras and the gear and the media and stuff are, and I'm watching these guys zoom through and do their laps. And I was observing the entire scene, and I noticed a lot of the coaches for the countries, for the teams, were there at the start and finish line. And I was observing them, and they were, they were watching their bikers not like on the road in front of them, but they were watching them on the screen, on the TV screen. So they're, they're sitting there with a whiteboard, and they're making notes to their team. Like, hey, this is your split time. This is what place you're in. You need to catch up to this person, whatever. And then when their bikers would go through completing their laps they would holler at them and just hold out the whiteboard with their message like yeah go 10 more miles 10 more miles 10 more miles more notes more notes more notes yep go get them 10 more miles 10 more miles 10 more miles same thing over and over again the coaches were just yep so i'm observing this i'm like wow that's kind of cool and so for the back half of the race, we went out to the loop. Like we got away from the start and finish line and we're sitting there out on the course and we observe like standing right next to us on the side of the road were the coaches from the country of Sweden. Like the Sweden coaches and the Sweden staff was like right there. They weren't at the start and finish line. They were out on the course. And they had all this gear. They had all these like little sacks and stuff on them with like snacks in them and different energy things. That, and so, and they had like biking gear. They had extra tires. They had all this kind of stuff. And there was an incident like right, right near us. Like there was a flat tire. That, and so the, the Sweden coaches right in front of us in real time hop the rail, switch out the dude's tire, throw these little sacks over his shoulder with the snacks and fuel and stuff in it puts their hand on the back of the biker as he's getting clipped in now to his bike and pushes him back into the pack and the guy's off and running all in like 30 seconds. 
We're like watching this whole scene and we're like, go Sweden. <laughs> it, it was so impressive. It was so amazing. We're looking at it. We're like, that's, and I'm observing it and I'm like, I, I've seen today two kinds of coaches. I've seen the coach that sits at the start and finish line that goes, hey, go get him. Good luck. And then there's the kind of coach that's out there on the course. If there's a need, boom, I got you. You need some strength, boom, I'm right here. I I just want you to know today, God God is that kind of coach. God God did not save you and then, all right, go get them. Got it. Go live holy. No. He saves us. And then he helps us. He saves us and he gives us his spirit to guide us and teach us and convict us and comfort us. He gives us his word to be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. He gives us our church community to be encouragers and come alongside and co-laborers in the gospel. He helps you do what he's called you to do. So for the person here today that just feels like this task is so daunting, be encouraged, my brother and sister. You gotta help her. You've got to help her. You can this year look more like Christ. You can walk in obedience in a way that you've never walked before. You can train yourself to be godly in a way you've never trained before. You've got help from heaven to do it. You've got an amazing church that you're a part of to come alongside you and help you do it. We can look more like Jesus. Amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? I want to pray for you. First, I want to pray for anybody here. Maybe you're watching online and you find yourself today far from God. You're not a child of God. You haven't surrendered your heart and your life to him. And maybe today you realize that you cannot be the forgiver of your own sins. You cannot be the leader of your own life. And today you need to ask Jesus to do that for you. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus lived a life you couldn't live, and he died the death you deserve to die. If you would, by faith, believe in him, it would be credit to your account, the righteousness of God. If you make him the Lord of your life, what that means is you're no longer in charge. He's the king. He's the leader. If you know that's you today, God would delight in saving you. God would love to forgive you of your sins. God would love to become the leader of your life. Some of you need to make that decision today. This is an amazing church to do that at and to become a part of. They're gonna come alongside of you and help you do that. I wanna pray for you today and I wanna pray for all of us that are believers that God would help us to become more like him. Father, thank you today for the work of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for those today that are putting their faith in you for the very first time. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your love for us. Father, I pray you'd help us today to look more like you. Father, I pray that you would not allow us to settle with where we are, but may we press on to what you have for us. Father, I pray that you would give strength to those that are fatigued today would you give hope to those that feel hopeless to get back up and to train again to get back up and to hope again lord for those that know things of obedience that you're calling them to do that they haven't yet obeyed father give them the faith today and the courage today to walk in obedience to you god we want to look more like you in jesus name and everybody said